0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode. And today we are going to do something different. I just came back from my 10 days silent meditation Vipassana course five days ago. And I was planning to do an episode about my experience after because I had done an episode about my experience before Vipassana and the expectations I had. So this is actually after I have gone through the 10 days. And I was planning to do a solo podcast episode, but honestly, I thought to myself, it would have been so much more fun to bring someone that I love and that knows me to interview me. So I invited my friend Nikki. She has been in the podcast twice already. This is the third time. So Nikki, thank you so much. She'll be interviewing me about the whole experience. So I can wait to share with all of you. Thank you so much, Nikki, for being here today.
1: I am honored that you chose me and I'm so (laughs) excited to hear all about it.
0: I'm so excited. I love it. Nikki and I talked today is Thursday and we talked on Monday and I was like, Nikki, don't ask me anything about the experience. We cannot talk about it before the episode. So (laughs) thank you so much for holding back your curiosity too. So
1: it's been hard because I've been wanting to know (laughs) as everyone wants to know.
0: Yeah, I love it. Let's do it, my friend. What questions do you have?
1: Okay, so let's start with the first one because I barely know myself, but what is Vipassana?
0: Awesome. So Vipassana means to see things as they are, to observe things as they are without reacting. And it's actually a whole meditation technique. So in this 10 days course that I went to, they teach you the whole meditation technique and they give you one step every single day. By day nine, you have the whole technique because you have been building onto it in terms of practicing and experiencing each single step. So it's really a meditation technique where you see things as they are without reacting. You're basically reprogramming your mind to be more honed, focused, and purified from all the suffering that we experience every single day. So that is in a nutshell what Vipassana is. And the teachings came from Buddha. This is not tied to any religion or sect or anything like that. It's a universal technique that anyone can use, but it does come from Buddha's teachings.
1: Wow, that's awesome. I'm sure other people are curious. I am as well. How did you hear about it?
0: So I think I mentioned this on the other podcast episode that I recorded. But six years ago, I was actually getting my hair cut with the person I was working with. And he was telling me about this amazing silent meditation experience he had gone through. And he told me that it was free. And I was like, 10 days, they give you food, they give you where to stay, they teach you meditation and it's free. I mean, that doesn't make much sense. So since then, I just became so excited about experiencing that because he said that it completely changed his life. And as years went through, I was thinking about doing it. And then I told my ex-boyfriend, who was my ex-boyfriend at the time, and he was like, you're taking 10 days from work, which is the only vacation you have to sit in silence meditating. That's crazy. So of course, I let myself be influenced by his opinion and I didn't do it back then. Last year, Cody and I tried signing up. He actually went through the sign-up, so he was accepted. When I was going to sign up, They were waitlisted already because these retreats are so popular. These are international and so many famous people have done it too. And because it's free, it gets filled up like super quickly. So I decided not to do it. And last year, on the day of my birthday, they were opening up a course. And at 6 a.m., I was there just ready to go. And I finally got in. So, yeah, that's how I knew about it. And that's what happened.
1: So you mentioned the cost was free. So how does that work? How do they even offer this for free? That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it is crazy. So the teacher that started this movement, not Vipassana, because Vipassana comes from Buddha, but he started the movement of creating meditation centers. And he was from India, originally actually from Bama, which I think is Malaysia, if I remember well. So he's originally from Malaysia, from the place where this technique was born. And then he learned the whole technique because he was a super successful businessman. He was super wealthy and he had this headache that it wouldn't go away. So he was really suffering hard because of these migraines. And he had the money to really consult with every doctor around the world. He went to London. He went to Spain. He went everywhere. And no one could really figure out what the root cause of the migraines were. Someone recommended in his region, in his place of birth, to try vipassana. And he was like, are you serious? Like 10 days meditating just to cure this? But he was so desperate that he was going to give it a try. And when he gave it a try, he just fell in love with the technique and his migraines literally just disappeared. So he was completely healed from the inside out. And with the money he had, because he was a super wealthy man, he started creating these courses for free. The beginning, they weren't for free. But then as he continued learning about the technique and about the teachings, he was like, hey, like. I want this to be an experience that is charitable, like the nuns and monks, like they don't have any money. They rely on other people to get food, to get everything. So I want people to have that experience, that they come for free literally and they experience all of this based on the charity of others. So the retreats operate for free because there are people that donate, obviously, after the retreat. They don't accept donations if you leave before the 10 days, which I think is a high integrity thing. I think it's amazing because they want you to experience the whole technique and receive the benefits in order for you to donate. Because if not, what are you donating on? It doesn't make any sense. So it started with one center. And then right now, there are centers everywhere around the world. It's operated by volunteers like literally all of this is volunteers volunteers cooking every single day volunteering helping with registration volunteers donating so all of the benefits you receive are because of the charity of others and even after the course finished i clean my own room so every person has to clean their own room for the person that comes after and then i help cleaning the dama hall so All of this is because of everyone that goes into the retreat. So that's how it operates decentralized. But it is also a nonprofit. They do have the organization set as a nonprofit too, internationally.
1: Wow. And you already mentioned, you heard about it six years ago and were swayed not to do it. You and Cody were interested in doing it. But why now? Why specifically do this now instead of another time or whenever?
0: Yeah, I think for me, now was the right time. One, because I've been wanting to do it for a while. But two, I've experienced so many losses, like in these last two years. Honestly, my immediate family, except for my mom, they have passed away. So the only family I have left is like, we are not even close it was of a big impact for me and it still is. So I knew that there was some grief that I needed to process more of because 10 days is not enough. 10 days sounds like a lot, but it's nothing compared to the years <laughs> in our lives. And I also had the miscarriage and I transitioned from corporate to entrepreneurship. And honestly, Even before I went to a Vipassana retreat, I was feeling a little bit burned out because I've been working nonstop. When you have a business the first few years, let's be honest, it's a lot of hard work. So I thought now was going to be an excellent moment before I have kids for me to continue gaining clarity, to continue healing, to continue transforming, and also to lead by integrity. Because as you know, I'm a coach and I work with my clients and I emphasize My clients investing on themselves, prioritizing themselves. And I need to lead by example. I also need to take that time to invest in myself, find myself so I can guide others to do the same. And I'm extremely grateful because I have a husband that is very supportive. Thankfully, we are very independent beings. We do a lot of things together. And at the same time, we can go our separate ways and enjoy our individual experiences. My mom's super supportive and all my clients, very supportive. So I really appreciate the support that I had around when I made this decision.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Yes. And you are very independent. I love it. So you mentioned it fills up quickly. So how many people attend? What's the cap? What's the cutoff?
0: Yeah. So because again, these retreats are like very popular. Everyone knows about it. The waitlist fills up within one hour of the registration opening up. So it fills up quickly. Now, of course, people drop later on and all those logistical components. They usually have groups as little as 20 at times, even though my group wasn't 20, but it's from 20 to more than 100 people. My group were like around 65, a little bit more. And the next group that was going to start the next week, there were like a 100 people. So I guess it depends on the season. It depends on the time. But I think the cap is a little bit over 100. There were people in my group, which, of course, you get to talk the last few hours of day 10. That's how I know, because this silent purely every single day. But there were people that had come from New York and Wisconsin because the centers in their locations, they had wait lists for months and months. So they found this one in Texas, which actually apparently doesn't fill up that quickly. And they came here. So it was exciting to meet people from different states to there. Amazing.
1: And you mentioned that they teach you each day on to the meditation technique. What does the schedule look like every day? Like, do you do obviously the same things every day besides learning the new technique that's added on? Or what is the daily breakdown to be like?
0: Yeah. So the schedule is the same every single day. At 4 a.m., they have this gong that they hit and you hear the sound naturally. You don't need an alarm, really. And what I didn't mention yet is that males and females are separated Because the whole purpose of this silent meditation course, 10 days course, is to create a sense of isolation. So there are many rules that you follow in order for you to not distract yourself. Like you don't look at people's eyes. You don't communicate with people in any way. You don't talk to people. You don't read. You don't write. There are so many things. There is a dorm for the females and there is a dorm for the males. So we really don't see them until we meditate as a group, but we are seated separately. I say this because there is this L-shaped dorm with like 50 rooms and everyone is staying there, like in the same building, in the same structure. At 4 a.m., they just start hitting the gun. They go around the L-shaped structure or building and then they come back. And then at 4.20, they ring the gun again. And at 4.30, you're supposed to start meditating. So from 4.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m., you meditate. They give you that early the opportunity to meditate in your room or in the Dhamma hall. The Dhamma hall is a huge room where everyone meditates together as a group. So you can meditate in your room or in the Dhamma hall. 4.30 to 6.30. 6.30 to 8 is breakfast. Eight to nine is group meditation, so everyone gets to meditate together, okay? And then nine to 11 is meditation, again, in your dorm or in the Dhamma hall. And sometimes they give you instructions to stay in the Dhamma hall. So it depends on the teacher's instructions. And then from 11 to 12, you have lunch. From 12 to 1, if you have any questions, you can talk to the teacher. So you sign up your name and then you get to ask any questions about the technique or the discourse. There was a daily discourse from the teacher that was from 1 to 5 p.m. We meditate. 5 to 6, we take a tea break. The other thing is like, we don't eat anymore after lunch. The only thing you can eat is at 5 p.m. a tea and a fruit. That's it. Like There is no dinner. It's just like a tea break. And then from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., we meditate and we listen at the teacher's discourse, which is one hour every single day. Every single day, that's literally the schedule that you follow. So it's 10 hours of meditation, at least every single day. So by the 10 days, you have meditated over 100 hours. Meditating silently, sitting meditation, meditating the same way. There is no walking meditation. There is nothing. It's just practicing the technique.
1: You mentioned that they gave you every day a little more of the technique, a piece of it. It doesn't sound like there's any guiding of the meditation They just give you the technique to do and teach you how to do it. And then you're on your own.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There is no guided meditation. I mean, a lot of people have been asking me that the whole purpose of the technique is for you to be in isolation with your own input. Guided meditation is someone else's input. Reading a book is someone else's input. So even though I like guided meditation, I've always been a fan more of silent meditation because that's the only time I get to connect with my own input, face those emotions that sometimes we don't want to face. That's why we need someone else's input for us to be able to meditate. It's another distraction at the end of the day. Even a mantra can be a distraction because it's a word outside of you that you're focusing on and you're focusing on. Because the mind needs something to focus on. That's why mantras also exist. And they can be very effective for your mind to focus. What the Vipassana technique is all about, it starts by observing your breath. The breath is something that is inside of you. It's something that is with you. It's something that is universal. There is no language (laughs) related to the breath. It's just the same. It doesn't matter language, religion, sect or wherever you're from. So it's just the first three days, you focus on your breath and just a small area of the face because what you're trying to feel is your mind focused on this area beneath the nostrils. It's like a really small area so you can start honing into the focus of your mind. And then by day four, then the Vipassana technique starts to get introduced step by step. The whole technique is focused on you observing and getting in touch with the sensations in your body. Because here's the thing, the mind and body are interconnected and the soul too. So even before there is a negative emotion, even before there is a limiting belief, even before there is anything, you feel the sensation in your body, even you are aware of it or not. There is always a sensation in your body. So the whole technique in a very simplified way is to start observing the sensations in your body without reacting. Okay. There is pain in my back. No reacting, just observing. Yes, it hurts. I don't want to feel it. That's reacting. I don't want the back pain. Oh my God, I'm going to meditate again. It's back pain. That's reacting. It's more observing in a calm and centered way. And the more you observe and follow the technique, the deeper you start accessing your subconscious mind to reprogram your mind to simply be in the present versus reacting all the time. Buddha teaches, and Vipassana too, that there are three causes of happiness and suffering. Craving, aversion, and ignorance, okay? Craving is... I like a sensation, I like a person, I like a result. Oh, give me more of that, give me more of that. And then you get so attached to the outcome that you start suffering because you're not in the present anymore. Aversion is, oh, I have back pain, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like that person, I don't like that job, I don't like that opportunity. And the more aversion you feel, the more you obsess around it and the more you start noticing the same thing which you didn't like in the first place. And ignorance, which is a third one, is lack of awareness of these two. It's lack of awareness that during our life, we are cycling from craving and aversion. I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. And that's the cause of suffering. Because craving and aversion, it's reactionary all the time. I like, give me more of that, that's reaction. I don't like, get me out of here, that's reaction. So the whole teachings really are around observing what is without establishing a frame or a perception or a story around things. So because when you have a perception, which by the way, we all have perceptions, But that's when the suffering occurs in the perception, in the story you're telling yourself. So vipassana is all about dropping that frame from that perception and seeing things as they are, as objectively as you can. That's the whole premise of vipassana and the technique, if that makes sense.
1: Perfect sense. And I was just thinking, as you were saying craving, like, so if you eat something sweet and it tastes good, you're like, I want more of that. And then to your point, if you... Work out or do something that didn't feel comfortable. Aversion is like, I want to get away. I don't want that.
0: Exactly. Get
1: it away from me. And then ignorance is just not being aware. or
0: Not being aware of those two.
1: Not having the knowledge to know this at all. And then we vacillate back and forth between the two.
0: I love that way because if we think of any suffering in our lives, it starts with craving and aversion. So I think it's very a comprehensive view, very simplified of the cause of our suffering, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool.
1: I like that explanation. So I know your listeners want to know, and so what was the most challenging part of the entire experience do you feel? So I got a question
0: on Instagram that it was like, what's the most challenging part and what was the easiest part? So just to leverage what questions have been asked with yours, Nikki, I'm going to ask that one and I'll start with yours. The most challenging part for me, which I kind of like suspected going in was the physical pain that you feel. By sitting 10 hours a day meditating, I mean, it gets real. It is intense because I'm not used to meditating without back support. And it's not like the whole 10 hours you meditate without back support because you can go to your room. But a lot of those hours I meditated without back support in the Dhamma hall, like that room where everyone meditates just for accountability of myself, mainly in the mornings, (laughs) I didn't want to fall asleep in my room, which I quickly learned. 30 a.m. meditations in my room didn't work at all. So I had to go back to the Dama hall. So I meditated a lot of hours without back support, and the pain was incredible. But it's interesting how the body is also linked to the mind, because as days passed by, my back pain disappeared. I mean, it is crazy. At the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying, but I'm staying here. And then like after two, three days, I couldn't even notice my back pain. So it's crazy how really you adapt and how the pain is also your mind saying that you're doing something different. Your body seeing you're doing different, something different is going to freak out. Your mind is saying, what? Silence, doing this every 10 hours a day, lala, la. It's going to freak out. Like it's a huge pattern interrupt. So I would say the pain, the numbness in my leg on day four, we start periods that we call strong determination, which is one hour meditations where you're highly recommended not to move. So in one hour of meditation, you don't move. And we have three of those one hour group sittings where you are suggested strongly not to move at all. And I did all of them after the first day just without moving so i think not reacting to the numbness in my legs to the pain in my back the first two days at 4:30 a.m. when i meditated in the dhamma hall i had a massive headache i think the physical pain for me was the most challenging one for sure in terms of the easiest things for me silence i knew it was not going to be a concern for me like i recharge with silence like silence is something that i enjoy, even though I'm sure some people think that I'm a super extrovert, but I really recharge with silence without anyone. So silence for me wasn't the hard part. It was one of the easiest thing. And also eating vegetarian, like I'm not vegetarian. I eat meat every single day, twice a day, to be honest with you. And I was surprised how yummy the vegetarian food was. Like After the vipassana course ended, I was like, okay, I have the technique. Awesome. Can I get the recipes for the food? It was ridiculously good. They made it easy for sure for people that they are not vegetarian usually. It was so yummy. It was amazing. And one of the other challenging parts was the perceived safety component (laughs) on my own mind. And this is something that probably I was the only one struggling with. I think I started realizing that it may be from my childhood in these dorms and these facilities, there is no lock of anything. Like your room doesn't have a lock. The doors don't have locks. You are in a ranch in the middle of nowhere. Like Kaufman has like 7,000 people population population you don't have your phone because you check checking your phone on day one and then you get it back on day 10. So I wish I would say at the beginning, but it was throughout the whole 10 days. I was kind of freaked out a little bit. And I think honestly, it's also from my childhood, Nikki, because my childhood was one of survival. My childhood wasn't one that I would like my kids to go through. Like my mom and I were hiding for 6 months just running away from the Q1 government. Like we experienced so many moments of high stress, high anxiety, hiding, thinking that someone was going to come in. And I had never realized at such depth how much that has affected me. So I think being without a cell phone, just in case something happens, being without logs, I don't know. For me, in my mindset, that was kind of hard. That feeling of feeling safe. And by the way, nothing happened. Like these people are high integrity. Everything structured. Everything is discipline. Everything is kindness, compassion. It was just my own mind racing, to be honest with you. My next question was
1: going to be, what do you feel like your biggest breakthrough was? And I've kind of, I'm hearing a little bit of that part. But what would you say overall would be your biggest breakthrough?
0: That was definitely one. I'm like, I mean, to be completely vulnerable, I was like, do I have PTSD? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying PTSD from the war or anything, but do I have some kind of like post-traumatic stress disorder from my childhood? I mean, who knows? That's something for me to explore at a deeper level. I think during vipassana. Vipassana is such a deep practice that it will open up some wounds. Imagine 10 days with you looking at your thoughts, looking at the emotions, looking at everything, enough time to think about everything starts opening up things naturally, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to do it because we are in such a busy non-stop life that we don't get enough time to look within ourselves. Even though I meditate sure like 20 minutes, 30 minutes every day. And it's still not enough. I mean, I would love to meditate more. And a huge breakthrough, I would say, it was that. It was just an interesting insight for me to look at within myself and continue exploring and practicing the practice on that sense, how it feels in my body, in my emotions. There were several days where I felt an immense sense of gratitude for everything, just like a huge connectedness with everyone and everything around me. I wouldn't say that was the bulk. Again, the 10 days are really challenging. I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't say like, oh my God, yes, it was. I mean, it was amazing and it was challenging at the same time. The whole focus of Vipassana in that course is hard work and discipline and hard work is not easy. But yeah, a lot of gratitude that I experienced, some grief came up with my uncle The miscarriage, I didn't have much that came up, to be honest with you. I feel pretty good around that. Uh, When I went to Hawaii for the three weeks of my spiritual development training, I think there was a lot of grief there that I was able to heal. But still, my uncle passed away two years ago, and my grandmother a year ago, one year after he did. And I do feel there is Some grief there that I was able to heal and I'm still healing. So that was a big breakthrough that I kind of was aware of. Lots of gratitude. I mentioned that a lot of opening in my heart chakra, the chest of my heart is a place where I experienced stress and sometimes anxiety while observing the sensations in my body. I observed the chest for a long time and I did feel there was an opening. And I even saw a sensation there of openness. And a couple of times I saw like lights while meditating. I don't know if this proven scientifically, but apparently it's just a sign that your third eye is opening when you see flashes of light. But I saw like twice or three times. I joked with my husband when I came back from Vipassana. I was like, hey, do you see my halo? And he was laughing. But of course, there is no halo. I'm not enlightened yet. I think I'm far away from it. But it was an amazing experience. More than anything, awareness of things that I'm still working through healing and transforming. And I would say those are the the things that came out for me.
1: I love it. That's awesome. And I feel like you and I are such close, connected friends yeah. that I actually feel like while you were gone, I could feel some of that connectedness to you. I actually tried to be silent for one day all on my own. You are so very long.
0: <laughs> it is so funny. It's interesting because even when I came back, which I came back on Sunday, and this is about the interconnectedness that you are talking about. I came back on Sunday, I met almost or half of my clients on Tuesday. And I did see some trends, not in terms of the grief or anything, but I think even me going to Vipassana energetically, they also got the benefit from it, which was really interesting because even our spiritual teacher, Nikki, we have a similar teacher. We have many teachers, but one is (laughs) similar. He gets affected energetically by the things we go through. And we have many experiences where we have seen that. So It's crazy how everything is just interconnected energetically. And even though if we are not there, time and space is not linear. So we are not there physically, but we really are energetically. We are interconnected. So yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I hope it was beneficial for
1: you. (laughs) It was, it was. So would you recommend this to other people? And who specifically? Because maybe not everybody's read.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, ideally, I would say, okay, I'll recommend it to everyone. I think anyone can benefit from it. I think you got to be focused on your personal development. That's number one. You got to be open to learning new techniques. We truly believe not all knowledge is in the same school. So whenever you're learning a new technique, you got to leave your prior knowledge out of the door and you got to come with your cup empty to be able to learn Someone that can do that and have that flexibility to be there to fully learn, super important. And the third one, and I would say this one is a very important one, knowing that it's going to be challenging and having the strength and discipline to know that you're going to be struggling potentially for a big part of the 10 days and to decide that you're going to stay anyways. I think that's a big one. You have to be very disciplined, very strong mindset in order to go through 10 days. But everyone out of the 60 something people, they stayed. So no one really left. I had heard that sometimes people leave, but no one left. So it is totally possible for, I mean, millions of people do this like in different centers. So it is possible for anyone listening, as long as you have that determination of like, I'm going to be disciplined, I'm ready to go. And this is it.
1: I know you are doing the techniques that they're teaching and all of that, but, and I can't imagine when you're silent for that long, doesn't your mind go here and there? Like, where does your mind go when you're silent that long? Like, how do you stay on point?
0: Yeah, I love it. And that's a question I got a lot in Instagram. Like, what were you thinking? Like, where did your mind go In the meditation, I was trying to be focused. When I observed my mind going somewhere, I would go back. But of course, I was thinking, but that course correcting of like, okay, let's come back to my breath. And then you may do it for like two minutes, and then it will start thinking something. And then it's like taming or training an animal to really follow commands. Like our mind, It's kind of like an animal at times. So it's just like training. And as a human beings, we are too, right? When it comes to developing habits, we got to reprogram ourselves. So it's that resilience of like, okay, this happened. It's okay. Just come back. I think I did that pretty well. I think at the end I was like, okay, I'm ready. Maybe I lost a little bit of focus. Now, outside of the meditation, oh my God, like I thought about everything. I thought about every client, every friend, every ex that I've ever had, every single thing in my life. You have time to think about everything, to be honest with you. So yeah, it was really interesting. Your mind goes wherever it needs to go. There were times that I cried out of nowhere, like out of gratitude. There were times that I cried out of nowhere while walking uh, out of grief. One of the challenging parts was like it was really cold in that area for most of the course. So we didn't get to walk outside a lot, unfortunately. And so I would walk the hall, like the women's dorm hall, which is an L-shape. I would walk that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So it was kind of hard because now that it's so cold outside, it was icy and everything. Now you're more to yourself without spending actually much time in nature. So that was challenging too for a lot of people I heard after the course finished. So yeah, you of course your mind goes everywhere. It is totally normal. What I thought about every single person, I think that I know.
1: <laughs> and now that you're back and integrating back into your business, life after the experience, how did that, you mentioned you came back and it was very busy And how did you transition and how were you feeling?
0: So I came back on Sunday and I was like, baby, I haven't eaten breakfast. I've cleaned a lot, like for two hours, like let's go get breakfast and have meat, of course, because I needed to break that vegetarian. (laughs) 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 But honestly, I don't miss the meat anymore. Like I was telling Nikki today I ate vegetarian and I was so happy, but it was kind of that thing. Like I want to have it again and see how it feels. So we ate to brunch and I realized how much more slower I was. Not like slower of like, wow, I mean, are you okay? But slower of like, slower in a centered way. Because even in the way I was moving, I was slow. I was tired too, but I find myself just being more centered and slow. I did notice on Tuesday that I had like, six different sessions, two clarity calls, I was like, wow, that was a lot, a lot to come um, after 10 days in the nothingness of your mind to come back into the world. But you know how committed I am to my clients And 10 days? I think it's a good break from coaching. So I just knew that I needed to get right back on track for them and for me. So I think I'm integrating. I think I'm not fully integrated. I'm still like, I mean, 10 days, it's interesting because it seems like a blur. It's like, what happened? Did that happen? Like now you get back on track and you're like, oh my God, yeah, like normal life. But it seems like a blur in time where I was like kind of in a monastery and not that this was a war, okay? But it makes me reflect how people after being months in war, like military, they come back and they reintegrate. I mean, I cannot even imagine. I was 10 days, not even in war, just looking at myself and my emotions and everything. But even that, it can seem kind of like, did that happen? Like, was that a blur? So I cannot imagine people that really go through a big transition like that, just coming back into the world. It's really interesting. But yeah, I think I'm still integrating after five days of being back and just honoring also my needs and observing how I feel, even if it's pleasurable or not. So I'm still practicing the technique. The teacher recommends two hours a day, which would be ideal. I'm doing 20 minutes, which is far away from two hours. But at least I want to keep it going and hopefully build up to two hours, one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, the near future.
1: Did you find yourself judging yourself at all for anything or now that you're home? oh, I'm not doing this enough or should I do it more or this was a craving and it's an aversion. Now, how do I get back into the regular world knowing what you know? Yeah,
0: I think not in that sense. Like, I think I'm observing it. I do find moments where I'm like, you know, where what I've judged more myself is like, I went through 10 days. I should be feeling like amazing. I'm much more wiser and all this stuff. And honestly, (laughs) I've found this happens when you're integrating. You're like, okay, 10 days happened. I'm not enlightened. Of course, I knew that. I still struggle with a lot of things I used to struggle before. Like 10 days is nothing. I mean, yeah, 100 hours a day in 10 days sounds a lot. It is a lot. But at the end of the day, it's nothing. So I think in terms of judging out of everything is more like oh did i progress enough oh did i get the most out of it and why am i still struggling with similar things but i've realized that it's more about still struggling with those things and again rather than reacting just observing what is and that requires practice that is not easy so it's continuing to really show up like that as i move forward but I think those are the things that I've judged myself to be completely vulnerable and honest.
1: I know, because we've both done different personal growth experiences. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like when I come home, I'm like, shouldn't I be fixed by now? Should I Yeah or, or
0: energized and perfect? I'm like honestly, a lot of the trainings that I go to, I come back from those trainings super tired.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like too it's the energy of the people you're around? It helps. And then when you come home, you only have your own energy and you don't have the teachings going on and the different interactions of the people. And you don't realize how much effort you were putting in to the experience. And then when you come home, you're like, whoo, that wore me out. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: I don't know. I think the last few trainings that I've taken is so much work on myself that Even interacting with people sometimes can be draining, at least for me. I mean, I'm not saying this for my clients or anything. I'm just talking about trainings and stuff. So I don't know that that's related, at least for me. Every person is different. But I think it's more that you have a purpose. For me, it's more like it has to be with the purpose and the why. Okay, I'm going to be there for 10 days doing this. I'm ready. I'm prepared mentally. And then I go through it and I'm focused and I go through it. It's just after accomplishing that purpose, now it's integrating back into how you continue leveraging using what you have learned back into your life because now the responsibility is fully yours because you're right. Before you were in a contained environment, you had the instructions of this. And so in that sense, I do feel connected to what you were saying, Nikki, so Yeah, I think it's more like that purpose of like, okay, I'm going to do this ready time-based and now I come back and of course, I have to reintegrate myself. So yeah, that may be connected.
1: And what do you want your listeners to know after everything that we've talked about, anything that we didn't cover that you're like, hey, I want them to know these things about my experience?
0: Yeah, I think for me, like the biggest lesson that I also have been sharing with my clients was like, I've repeated this so many times already, but observing how you feel instead of reacting. And reacting, I don't mean like, oh, I feel sad. I'm going to cry. That's not a reaction. That is like, you're feeling the emotions. Just cry if you want to cry. Reacting is like, oh my God, I'm feeling sad. Wait, 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 I don't want to feel sad. Let me go to a shopping mall or watch TV. That's reacting in the form of aversion. So I would say to my listeners, based on my experience and what I'm practicing too is just whatever you're feeling, just feel it and observe it just as it is versus craving more of it or feeling that you want to walk away from it. Because if you don't face that emotion, if you don't face that challenge, just right in the moment, that's going to be suppressed. It's going to continue to be suppressed. And one day you're going to blow up completely and you're not going to be aware of where that came from. That's what happens a lot of times we feel a certain way. We don't want to feel that way. We buried it so we can continue to be functional and we don't allow that space to really be with ourselves. I would say honor yourself, work on yourself because your salvation, your transformation is only your responsibility. I always tell Nikki and everyone else, no one else is going to come here to save you or transform you. So it really depends on us to show up, to choose ourselves and to work on ourselves in every sense. But my major lesson was that do not react to it, simply observe it, feel it. And once you feel calm, center, a balance, choose a course for action and go for it, of course. like I still have the, my teachings from coaching, so it's very action-oriented.
1: I love it. Any other things you would like us to know?
0: I would love to check the Instagram because there were a couple of people that asked questions about my experience and I just want to make sure we have answered each one of them did you feel sleepy during 10 hours of meditation honestly I didn't like I was very surprised how energized like I was overall I don't know if it was because I was eating less of course we were doing less uh, physical activity or I don't know if it was because I was just focused on the schedule I didn't feel sleepy at all. The only time I felt sleepy, which I fell asleep, (laughs) was on day three and four. I tried meditating at 4.30 a.m. in my room and that wasn't effective, but there is no failure, only feedback. So from day five through 10, I made sure to go to the Dama hall and meditate there. So, but overall, I didn't feel sleepy, which was really interesting. Something that I didn't say, Everything is very organized. So even in the meditation hall, you have your seat. You have assigned your seat in the hall. You have your room assigned. And in the kitchen, you also have a number assigned, which is where you sit every single day. And because they want to create this sense of isolation, you're literally looking at the wall. So every single table is against the wall. And you're looking at the wall, so you're not looking at people, and you don't distract yourself. Like you're only to yourself. That's the whole experience they want to recreate. And um, what kind of food? Vegetarian. It was amazing. Like honestly, the technique was amazing. Great breakthroughs. The food was one of the highlights. I have to be honest because I was like, okay, vegetarian. That's cool. I mean, whatever. But every day was just like a surprise and experience. And this is all cooked by volunteers. I don't know. To me, it's just mind blowing because, Nikki, it's so structured. Everything is so high integrity. Everyone is so disciplined. It's like my room, I've stayed in expensive hotels. My room was way cleaner than a lot of expensive hotels that I've staying. like everything is just so well executed, if that makes sense. Uh, okay, cool. I'm just reading. Commonly find yourself thinking we talked about that. Able to pick up your phone for anything or talk to anyone. No. Day zero before the day one starts, you give your phone away. They locked it somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> And then on day 10 at 4 p.m., you can get your phone back and you're not supposed to use it. I did use it, but everyone was using it. So it's fine. I think that was it. Like all the rest of the questions I just reviewed and we have answered them. So I'm so excited that we got to do this together. Oh, my God. I really appreciate you. Thank you for making the time, Nikki.
1: I would have missed it. If it wasn't me to do it with you, I would have been so sad. <laughs> I
0: have a question for you. Would you do it? Now that you have heard my experience, which is my perception, my experience. Yeah. At 10 days, we pass on a silent course.
1: Well, training? it's so funny. You asked me about it before when you were sharing it with me, you were telling me about it. And I have a person that does body work on me, you yeah. know, different like kinesiomyofascia integration and just massage techniques raw thing. And he actually told me about it last summer. I love it. That was the first time I had heard of it. It went in one ear, I researched it and it went out the other. And then when you told me you're doing it, I was like, what? This is what Meertel was telling me about. For some reason, now it's in my gut to think it's in my brain and my gut is churning. I definitely consider it I don't know when for sure, but yes, because I did a four day retreat at at an ashram in Virginia and it was amazing and not meditation that long at all, but it was definitely amazing. And to your point, very structured, very disciplined and I'm very chatty and people thought I would have a hard time being quiet. I actually enjoyed the quiet. My friend that went with me had trouble and she's not as chatty as I am. So it's you're, It's really funny what shows up as a challenge versus what you think might be challenging exactly. isn't. What yeah. you didn't think would be is like a big challenge. So yeah,
0: it is really interesting. Something that I forgot sharing was like, there is this structure that is called the pagoda. And in that beautiful circular structure, there are individual meditation cells that you can also meditate there. And it's a beautiful building. It's really nice. So you had three options. You could meditate in your room, in the pagoda or in the Dhamma Hall. So I thought that was really cool. And honestly, I thought the beginning of the 10 days was going to be hard. And after the middle was going to be easy. That was my perception. It was the opposite for me. The beginning was easy because I was like, okay, cool, like easy peasy. I mean, not easy that I'm not dying because of my back pain. Like I had back pain, but it was easier usually. And in the middle, it got a little bit harder. And I feel the last few days, I was like, okay, on day nine, I'm like, I'm ready, let's go. So I think it got a little bit harder with time for me. So that was something interesting to observe. Of course, the technique was more complex. There were those periods where you couldn't move. So you're being challenged also as the 10 days progress. At the end of the 10 days, they give you a love of healing meditation for you to practice. So that was pretty cool too.
1: One other thing I just thought about was, so I sometimes struggle with sleeping. Did you notice? When you got to go to sleep, did you fall right out? Were you like laying in bed awake thinking of things? And then did you feel rested? Did you get the time that you were able to sleep that you're allowed to sleep? Was that enough? Do you normally sleep more than that? Did you miss anything?
0: Yeah, I usually sleep eight hours. I got 10 and I immediately got, yeah, I went right to sleep. Sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night, but overall I would fall asleep quickly. But usually I fall asleep quickly, not as my husband, he does way faster than me. But I don't struggle with falling asleep. Usually, I did say I struggle with that safety thing in my mind, clearly. But overall, after 10 hours of meditation, like I think you're pretty tired and and 17 hours of schedule, I think it's 17, 4am to 9pm, something like that. So I think that was helpful. Yay. So excited. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's something that calls your name and you're ready 10 days to put in the discipline, I would totally recommend it. It was like transformational, very healing and something that I would love to continue doing. They have 30 days and 45 days. That's not in my plans, (laughs) but I met people that had done the 30 days and they love it. I've met people that every year they do a 10 day course. Oh my God. And I didn't tell you there was someone (laughs) in Vipassana with me that I knew. Like I took my first NLP training, the practitioner training back in 2017. And I met this person there in January of 2017, exactly six years before this Vipassana retreat. So it was really interesting to see someone. But of course, I couldn't interact with her until day 10. So. That's amazing. She's really nice.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with myself and all of your listeners, of course.
0: Thank you so much, Nikki, again, for your availability, for being here, for your insights. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'll make sure to put the website here in the show notes. It's actually dhamma.org, D-H-A-M-M-A dot O-R-G it's free. They have many courses everywhere around the world, everywhere around the US. So if this is something that interests you, famous people like Dan Harris, Young Pueblo, and many others have done it, and they have found immense benefit on it, just like I did. So I hope if it calls you that you do it. So thank you so much, everyone. We love you all. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening at With Clarity and Purpose. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sharing is caring. Please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together. I'll see you next week.